Business leaders, listen up. It's time to eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on your business teams. It's time to change the culture of your team. That means you as the leader must change. It's time for you to have impact. Learn how from corporate consultant Dave Anderson on Impact Talk Radio. It's a learning hour of no fluff, straight talk with solutions designed to impact high-impact leaders who want to lead high-impact teams. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson with Impact Talk Radio. You know, I've been thinking about writing my unresume. And if you're one of those people who have listened to Impact Talk Radio before, if you read my blogs or if you heard me speak, you know what my unresume is. It's a list of all those things that I've done wrong. I mean, that list, sometimes it's long and it's pretty scary. And, you know, I always tell people a resume should never be more than two pages long. But unfortunately, my unresume, it'd break that rule. But if I wrote that resume, I'd have to add a subsection on hiring mistakes that I made during my 15 years in sales leadership. I mean, I, I hired somebody who I, you know, who was just like me, but discovered later that he lacked the character to work very hard. I hired another person that had just tons of experience, but wasn't willing to learn any new ideas. I hired a guy who was a pilot that was uncoachable and had anger issues. And I even hired somebody that, you know, I really liked personally, would spend a, wanted to spend a lot of time with, but they turned out to be a professional liar. See, the lessons I learned from my hiring mistakes made me better at finding talent. And as time went on, I realized that hiring someone who had skills to do the job was the easiest part of the equation. See, competence is easy to measure. Metrics, you know, they abound for most jobs, and my ability to investigate a person's competence to do the job right grew as time went on. In fact, when someone failed because of competence issues, it was usually stemmed from my poor decisions. One bad decision would be to put the right person in the wrong job. You know, they failed because I I put a good person in a job that their talents weren't suited for. Another uh, bad decision was putting the right person in the job but giving them unclear expectations. They failed because I didn't lay out a clear job expectation from day one and they were left floundering and went in the wrong direction. And the third bad decision was the right person but I didn't train them well. I didn't coach them well. They failed because I didn't spend adequate time up front getting them ready. I had the attitude that they needed to learn on their own like I did, or I put them with a mentor who had that exact same attitude. I'm Dave Anderson, and this is Impact Talk Radio. Now, you can find this show and all our shows on iTunes. And you know, when you go to iTunes, please rate our shows And after you listen to them. And make sure you, uh, when you do that, see, it moves Impact Talk Radio up the list and makes it easier for other leaders to find. So you can also find me on Twitter at DaveAnderson88 or check my blogs at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Now, today's guest, Lee Saltz, is the author of Higher Right and Higher Profits, and we're going to talk to him about hiring the best salespeople. You know, and honestly, I could have used Lee's expertise before I started adding so many hiring mistakes to my unresume. While some of my hiring mistakes were around competence, most resulted from a character issue I failed to identify in the hiring process. Now, I've talked about hiring for character with Garrett Miller on Impact Talk Radio previously, and you can find that show on iTunes as well. But how do I handle a character issue once, once I realize I've hired him and that I missed those, the, that issue in the interviews? Henry Cloud wrote a book called Necessary Endings that says uh, that really covers it well. And he says that 
the mature person needs to dema- uh, meets the demands of life while the immature person demands that life meets her, her demands. And what he, was, he breaks it down to three people. A wise person. If you've hired a wise person, then have hope because they appreciate feedback. They own their performance. You know, your relationship is strengthened as a result of giving them feedback. And you know what? They really express concern as a result of their behavior, the results that their behaviors have on others. And in fact, when they get the feedback, they go right into, they go right into operation mode. They go future oriented and they start problem solving. But then there's the other side of the coin. The, that's the foolish person. And that person you got to have strength with. Because the fool, he rejects feedback. He resists it. He explains it in a way. He does nothing to adjust to meet its requirement. So what do you do with that person? Well, first of all, stop treating them like a wise person and establish consequences. Make them feel the cost of their lack of performance and document, document, document. You got to follow all these things when you have a foolish person that you're dealing with. But the third person Dr. Cloud talks about is the evil person. And he says, for that person, get help. He said, these people are intentionally divisive and they try to, they, they enjoy seeing other people fail, especially you or the organization. And don't expect them to change by giving in to them. And when you have a person like that, get reinforcements, get HR involved, get legal involved, do what you need to do to protect your organization, to protect your, and protect yourself. We're going to be right back uh, here after, after a message, and we're going to bring Lee Saltz on, and we're going to talk about how do you avoid these hiring mistakes, because hiring isn't a science. There's risk involved, and there's no way to eliminate hiring mis- mistakes because we're dealing with flawed and, and sinful people, but we can get better at, at limiting those, those risks by getting better at the process in and of itself, and that's Lee's expertise, and I'm looking forward to him uh, uh, educating us here right after this message. We'll be right back. This is Impact Talk Radio, a dose of reality, a dose of advice, a dose of impact solutions. Dave Anderson will be right back. Imagine if you could stop reacting and start leading because you lead a low-maintenance team. A low-maintenance team has initiative, integrity, and enthusiasm. A low-maintenance team is fun to lead because they don't bicker, play politics, or wait for you, the leader, to tell them what to do. The Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture is a step-by-step program that will eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on a team. The Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture is a video-based course that provides even the busiest leaders with practical, real-life solutions that can be implemented during the whirlwind and busyness of your daily job. Watch the free introductory videos at OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and learn more about what the Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture can do for busy leaders who want to lead low-maintenance teams. Get the free PDF Hiring for Character Interview Guide by going to OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and downloading the OMG Power Pack. Don't wait. Stop reacting and start leading. Visit OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and start building your low-maintenance team today. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. 
It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson. Hey, I started out talking about my unresume and the hiring mistakes I've made through the years. Uh, I only mentioned four. There were more than just four. I just want to be honest with everybody. But today, our guest today is Lee Saltz, and he's a sales management strategist and best-selling author of Hire Right, Hire Profits. And he's going to help me get better at hiring. He's going to help you get better at hiring salespeople. And, you know, his book, Hire Right, Hire Profits, is available in both print and Kindle. And it was the number one rated sales and sales management book on Amazon in 2014. And that's huge. So uh, the, his sales management consulting for sales architect, Lee has helped hundreds of companies experience explosive growth. In addition to Hire Right and Hire Profits, he's also the author of three other best-selling business books to include Top Book Awards, Silver Medal winner, Soar Despite Your Dodo sales manager. It sounds like my own resume. Uh, he's a featured columnist in business journals, serves on the editorial advisory board of sales and marketing management magazine, and is a program advisor and strategy coach for Kansas State University National Sales uh, Strategic Sales Institute. And he's also from uh, he's also from the tri-state area up around New York City. I live in Texas now, as some of you know. And to hear hear a guy who talks like a New Yorker on the other end of the line, it makes me feel right at home. So, Lee, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Dave, thanks for having me. Well, listen. I know you're up there. Uh, you're up there in the cold, and and you know down here in Texas, it's not too. It's 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 in the 40s, mid 40s here, and people are all bundled up like it's you know in the in the low 20s uh, here. They don't really understand what cold re- weather really is. But I know you're up there uh, where everybody knows that uh, w- what winter really is like. Well, it's not just winter. Actually, if you go into Google and you type in where on the planet. Can there be the biggest disparity of temperature? Because here it can be over 100 degrees and minus 30 degrees in the same 12-month period. <laughs> I'm sitting in the rare place where this can happen. And, and you chose to be there. I did. Well, as, I, as my family back east regularly reminds me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that, brother. I'm with you on that. So appreciate you being here, uh, talking about hiring salespeople. It's a it's a subject near and dear to my heart after doing that for 15 years here. And uh, let me in hire right, hire profits. Uh, the the subtitle of that is, is the Executive's Guide to Building a World Class Sales Force. So in your book, you introduce the concept of thinking of a sales team as a revenue investment. What do you mean by that? Yeah, and, and so before I get to that, you know, you, you in total candor talked about all the mistakes that you made over the years in hiring salespeople. And, and let me tell you, I made at least as many as you. <laughs> and so what, what I talk about in the book is really my experiences. This is not some scientific study. If you want that, you need get something else to read. This is real world. This is the mistakes that I made, what I learned from it. And from that came away with some a, a different perspective of how I viewed a sales team. And so you, you asked me about this whole idea of a, of a revenue investment and what I mean by that. Well, imagine a sales manager comes up with this incredible idea to grow revenue for the company, right? And I mean, it's going to be a game changer. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost $25,000 to implement that wonderful idea of his. How many hoops is he going to have to jump through to get twenty five grand from his company? Right, A lot. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
let's see, they're going to say, uh, well, I'll do a cost analysis and and uh, conduct focus group studies and market. What's the return on investment, ROI. Right, and... right. All of that stuff. Competitor analysis. Meet with your colleagues. See what they think of it. And six months from now, we'll be able to make a decision. Yeah. Okay. Now, same sales manager is looking at hiring a candidate for his inside sales team with a base salary of $25,000. Yeah. In most companies, it's almost like a rubber stamp, right? Yeah. Some cases, it's one interview, you got the job, congratulations. Why? Because it's only $25,000. <laughs> you see an issue here? Yeah. There's something wrong with that. Program. Right. But if you think about the idea that that sales manager has and that salesperson that you'd be hiring, they have a couple of things in common. The purpose of both is to drive revenue for the company and both require a $25,000 investment. Mm -hmm. Now, for you short listeners, you're going to take me to task on that because a salesperson with a salary of $25,000 doesn't represent a $25,000 cost to the business. It's much more. Right, You factor yeah. in the benefits and office space and all of these other things. So it's much more costly than the idea, yet so much less scrutiny. Mm. And so this idea is to look at adding headcount to your sales team just as you would that idea to grow revenue. So in essence, that person is an investment in revenue. Yeah. Yeah. and. You know, you're so right. I saw that I was a big Fortune 50 company, and I would see, and it was, it, even though we were in one big company, there's lots of hoops you had to g jump through to hire, to do a lot of things. Hiring people, it was, it, it, it was all over the place. Yeah. Sometimes there was one step, sometimes there was five steps, and it just depended on who, who was involved. But if someone wanted you to open the checkbook for an idea, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute now. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. So in the book, you got you got this unique stance where you say that there's no such thing as a great salesperson. And, you know, that, you know, some people would argue with that. It sounds kind of controversial. Why do you feel that way? Oh, it's my favorite argument to have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun one. They, the people love to take me to task on it. Uh -huh. And then I offer to prove it. I ask them, how many of these so-called great salespeople have you hired, but they failed in your company? Great track record, great resume, wonderful look, and they failed in your company. Yeah. So if you believe in great salespeople, then you must also subscribe to one of the following given the salesperson's failure. Either that person arrived on your doorstep and completely forgot how to sell, mm -hmm. Or your company is the worst company to sell for in the history of business. I mean, how else can you explain it? Right? You believe in great salespeople. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and the issue is the word great. And my position is that greatness isn't a standalone quality for the reasons that I just talked about. I mean, you've seen a salesperson fail in one company. They go someplace else. They're a rock star. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Take a rock star from a company – put them in a different environment, they fail miserably. The person didn't change. It's something about the match between themselves and a particular sales role. Mm. So rather than talking about a great salesperson, I suggest looking for someone with the potential to be great in the role. Mm -hmm. So that's a totally different mindset when you go into 
the candidate evaluation exercise, that you're not looking for this this standalone quality of someone being greatness, like you can almost see the spotlights on this person. You're trying to figure out who's the right person for this role who can be great in it. So what are you looking for? I mean, what what are those parameters when you're looking for the person that's great in a particular role or great for a particular company? Well, you can't look at the person first. You have to look at the role first. Mm. So there's an exercise that I recommend. It's basically taking a 360-degree look at a role and ask yourself three questions. What causes people to succeed? What causes them to fail? What causes them to underperform? Hmm. What causes them to succeed, fail, or underperform? And the answers to those three questions allow you to develop what I call a performance factor portfolio for the role. So you identify all of these factors that lead to success, failure, underperformance. And then you say, okay, now I know what it takes to succeed in this role and I can evaluate candidates against that portfolio. Mm. But, But you touched on one of the biggest challenges that companies have when it comes to hiring and that is they look at the candidates but never take a step back and study the role. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the problem. You can't you can't adeptly look at a candidate and say, "Boy, this is the right person for the role" when you really haven't analyzed what it takes to to be successful in it. Yeah, I you know, I think about uh, and I'm thinking about that one person I mentioned in my on resume who had great sales success, but the type of sales that he was doing was totally different from what I was going to ask him to do, and when he got into it, you know, I hadn't evaluated the role and the differences in the role. I just saw the success that he'd had, and I said, "Oh, he'll adapt." And it didn't happen. I'll give you an example of one. Here's a performance factor. Where's the salesperson going to work out of? Is it out of a corporate office, a field office, or home office? Mm. Right? So let's say for the last 15 years, you worked out of a home office, and this job requires you to work out of a corporate office. That may not work. Forget your skills for a moment. It may not work. And so I have to evaluate and have conversations with you to see if that's going to work. And the converse is also true. Right. If you've worked out of a corporate office for the last 15 years and we say, by the way, you're going to work out of a home office now, that may not work. Yep. Yeah, I I I I did that. I worked out of a home office and uh, and then working out of out of a uh, corporate office. I mean, it's a totally different mindset and everybody thinks working from a home office sounds great until you do it. And it, it can be a challenge for certain people. Uh, yeah. It's a different challenge. Uh, I'll give you another one. The, the sales manager's style, in essence, how they manage their salespeople. Mm-hmm. And, and people think I'm going to get on a soapbox and talk about micromanagement. I'm not. How you manage people is how you manage people. Mm-hmm. If you're a micromanager, well, then you better find salespeople that will thrive under that environment. If right. you're more laissez-faire management and you just say, you know what, you come to me when you need me, okay, then find salespeople that will thrive in that environment. So it's not right or wrong. It becomes an exercise of finding the right people that are going to succeed in this particular role. Yeah. I always say, you know, I'm not looking for people who know the in the interview process who know the, know the right answers. I, I want to get to know the person. 
and getting to know the person is understanding what type of work environment that they they think they're going to thrive in. That's right. So you you meant, but one of the things you talk about is that hiring somebody from the competition is risky as well because I know some people will just go out and hire somebody from their direct competition and feel like, well, we got somebody great because they were doing great against us. They'll do great for us. Yeah, and and you know, so the thought is, let's just go hire the competitive salespeople, and that solves all of our problems, doesn't it? <laughs> Instant salespeople, no onboarding, no nothing. You hire them, and they're ready to bring over millions of dollars of business on their very first day. Yeah, boy, is that a great dream, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it work. I haven't no. seen it work very often at all. No, no. I mean, and I said at the outset, I made the mistakes just like you made the mistakes, and I used to believe that that was the answer. Maybe not to the extreme here of thinking that they're going to drop millions of dollars on my on my doorstep, but. I used to think the best place to recruit talent was from the competition. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Many years ago, I was an executive in the technology training industry. This was during the dot-com boom. Mm-hmm. This is when Microsoft decided, you know what? We're going to go after the server market, and they went out to crush Novell. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything like it. And we were going gangbusters in the technology training space because as new technology was installed, people needed to be trained. Yeah. So as well as we were doing, I had heard some rumblings about one of our competitors not doing so well. And this one afternoon, I get a call from a salesperson from one of the from that competitor, and he was representing himself and several other salespeople, saying, "Hey, we want to come sell for you." And you ever see in a cartoon how eyeballs change to dollar signs? <laughs> that was me in that instant. Yeah. Hung up the phone. I sprint down the uh, down the hall to the GM's office. And he pulls out these expansion plans. Now, mind you, we haven't met the people yet. We're looking at expansion plans. Right. And so we bring the candidates in for an interview. Interview. We'd already written the offer letters, right? <laughs> See where I'll this roll, is going, I think. <laughs> I'll roll the story ahead. Just three months, they all failed. They were all gone. Mm. And you know whose fault it was? Mine. We never should have hired a single one of them. And because we refer to them as a competitor. Yeah. And competition infers sameness of business. But our businesses were so different. That company, they sold to to companies we were selling to consumers. Mm. They were selling by phone. We sold face-to-face. They were the low-price provider, and we were selling these high-end certificate programs. It was a total mismatch. Yeah. Right? And that was just, that's just a few of the differences. So, I mean, we were so giddy by the idea of bringing in a crew of salespeople. Hey, they're not going to need any training. They're coming from the competitor. We're going to get instant revenue. All of these great things, and it wound up being – a waste of time, a waste of dollars. And I'm not saying don't consider candidates from the competitor. What I'm suggesting is that you still have to go through that exercise of analyzing the role, putting that portfolio together so you know what you're looking for in someone and evaluate that candidate just as much as you would someone from outside the industry. Mm. I argue that candidates from within the industry – that from the competitors, toughest ones to interview. 
wonderful conversation, right? But not necessarily what you'd call an interview. Hey, do you know Phil? I know Phil. Did you go to that trade show? I went to that trade show. <laughs> yeah. Right? How do you get to the real meat? Is this a match between right. the two of you? Yeah, and and that's the key. It's kind of like what I said. Am I going to get to real know the real person? The, those people are going to know all the answers is that because they're already in the industry. They're already that's in right. the marketplace, and they're going to know those answers and know how to how to present themselves but you don't really under, know if they're the right fit for the culture of you know the or, larger organization or in fact your own team if you do that um instant and, salesperson <laughs> yeah yeah uh, instant salespeople don't usually don't usually work out very well and if you're in, if you're in a larger corporation you don't get rid of them in an instant let me tell you that you're going to be you're going to be stuck with them for a while uh yes. hey lee we're, we're going to sit near and we're going to go on on a break here in just a second we'll come back and uh, and follow up with you uh here and talk a little bit more about what do we need to do as far as finding the right people to be our salespeople out there in our face in the marketplace we'll be right back This is Impact Talk Radio. Learn more on Dave Anderson's blog at andersonleadershipsolutions.com. Stay with us. Back after these. Passionate, dynamic, funny, straightforward, and down-to-earth are all words used to describe Dave Anderson as a speaker and a trainer. You know, people ask me, Dave, why not sales training? And I always say, you know, I could do sales training, and I do periodically. I did it for 20 years. But if I help somebody become a better salesperson, it's like helping somebody become a better accountant or a better engineer. Those skills, they stay at work when somebody heads home at night. But if I help them become a better leader at work, they go home, they're a better husband, a better father, a better mother, a better wife, better in their community, better in their ministries. I truly believe that leadership is what this world needs, whether it's at work or in our families. And if I can impact that during my lifetime, I know that I will have fulfilled my purpose before I meet my maker. If you want to book Impact Talk Radio host Dave Anderson as a speaker at your next meeting or convention, or you would like to discuss leadership development training opportunities with Dave, email him directly at dave at alslead.com. That's Dave at ALSLead.com. You can also follow Dave on Twitter at DaveAnderson88 and also on LinkedIn. Watch a video of Dave speaking at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Leaders, if you want an engaged audience that walks away inspired and ready to become the leaders they were meant to be, contact Dave Anderson via email at Dave at ALSLead.com. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. No fluff, just straight talk with impact solutions for high-impact leaders. Here's Dave Anderson. 
Hey, you know one of the beautiful things about Impact Talk Radio is the fact that you can download it at any time. You can listen to it at any time. I don't know what time of day it is for you while you're listening to it right now, but I bet you that little bit of Aerosmith just woke you up a little bit here. And uh, look, I'm here with Lee Saltz, and we're talking about hiring salespeople and how do we go about doing that. And uh, I know I came from a from a big business environment, and Lee, you mentioned that you can you had some big business experience. But is this stuff that we're talking about here? today uh, about hiring salespeople? Is it only for the big guys? Not at all. As a matter of fact, if you think about a small business owner, that fear of finally saying, you know what, I'm going to hire a salesperson. This one individual, I'm rolling the dice. I'm going to be writing a big check. My goodness, if I'm wrong. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's a scary situation. And, and I'm sure you know small business owners listening to this, they can relate to you know looking across the desk and saying, Boy, I, I got to be right with this. And, and some of them say, gee, I'm going to get an assessment tool, right? Mm-hmm. You know, personality assessment skill, all of these different flavors of assessments. And, and I'm often asked about these. First of all, I have the companies that offer those ask me to rep the products and I won't do it. And then mm-hmm. I have clients that, that ask me about using them. And my issue with, with using assessment tools is not the science. Many of them are founded in wonderful science. Yeah. My issue is the reliance that hiring managers put on those tools. Amen. Right? I mean, <laughs> we could we could forget the entire candidate evaluation process, give him a test, right? Cuz if he passes, you hire him. If he fails, you kick him to the curb. Right. That's that's how extreme people are when they use that. And what I what I tell clients that that want to use a tool like that, First thing is coming back to that whole idea of having this performance factor portfolio, the factors that lead to success, failure, underperformance in the role. Share that with the consultant that's selling this particular assessment and ask them to show you where in their tool you can see each one of those factors. And if they Mm. can't show it to you, don't use it. It's not helpful to you. But if they can produce that, then the healthy way to use an assessment tool is as an additional data point to help with your decision. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm so with you on that. I, I, I think about one of the best salespeople I ever had on my on one of my team. His name is Tim Turlington. He came from a he came from a uh, accounting background. I mean, you can look at the look at what you want. Introverted, analytical, all this type of stuff. Nobody would ever think of him as a fantastic salesperson, uh, having the what it took to be a fantastic salesperson. But in our marketplace, what he was selling, he needed to be that detail oriented guy. He needed to be that analytical guy, and the customers just rolled over and did whatever he wanted them to do, and yeah. he he won award after. After award after award, and one of those personality assessments, they wouldn't. They would have said, "Don't hire him." Well, here's the other part. You know, my belief is that every sales role is unique. The factors that lead success, failure, underperformance are unique for each sales role in each company. Mm-hmm. So, given that perspective, how can a third-party tool be given so much credence, so much weight in the hiring decision when it can't account for those unique aspects? Right. So if you use it in a healthy way, which is look for the matches between your candidate and those performance factors, that could be helpful to you. But if you say, you know what, I'm going to take all of the headache and responsibility of making this decision off of my plate and I'm going to put it all on that assessment tool, 
good luck to you. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing is in making that, you're not making a decision. You're really punting the decision-making process to, to some consultant who came up with a, uh, came up with a standardized test. And, uh, you know, that your, your business isn't standardized. Your customers aren't standardized. Your, your salespeople shouldn't be standardized. Well, and the other part of it is, you know, you, you look at any of these assessment companies, mm-hmm. and they all boast that this is based on evaluating hundreds of thousands or millions of of uh, of salespeople. You know, I've been in this game a long time. No one's ever asked me to participate in this, and I don't know a single person who has ever participated in one of those studies. <laughs> have you? No, I've never no. met, never have, never. So have. Where, where's this data? It's like yeah. I saw this guy. Um, boasting that he's been on 10,000 sales calls. Do the math. It's not possible. <laughs> hey, Lee, we are running out of time here. But, I, you know, I, everybody, if you've, you've enjoyed listening to Lee and talking about how we go about hiring, uh, hiring good salespeople, pick up his book, Hire Right for Higher Profits. Lee, how, how can somebody get in touch with you personally if they want to they uh, look into bringing you in as part of Sales Architects? Yes, if they go to salesarchitects, and that's plural, architects.com. All right, salesarchitects.com. Find Lee Saltz there. Hey, and we're going to have Lee back for a future show where we're going to talk about once you've hired this person, now what do you do when you bring them on the team? We're going to talk about onboarding salespeople. Hey, and this is Dave Anderson. You're listening to Impact Talk Radio. Thanks for being with us today. And again, find us on iTunes. We'll see you next time. 